Welcome to episode six of Major League Rugby Kickoff. Your hosts are Dan Power and Pete Steinberg. Pete, a very warm welcome to you this week. It is playoff season, championship series time in Major League Rugby. What a season we've had, my friend. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to the playoffs and actually seeing you. I've missed you. We've been uh, we've been missing each other over the last couple of weeks. So it's going to be good to get back with you and with uh, um, uh, Dallin Stanford and uh, um, Brian Hightower and doing the games this weekend. Excited to get it going. It should be good. But as always, you are a well-traveled man. What is your travel tip for the people at home this week? Well, this was some. This was a a, a a tip that I used this past weekend. I went down to San Diego for the game against Glendale that I was calling on Saturday night. I took the family down with me. Um, my wife lived in San Diego for five years. She got to show off our daughter to some of her friends down there. And on Sunday, we needed to return the car. And if we actually wanted to return the car when our um, room. Uh, so, so when our flight was uh, um, going to leave, we would have had to have paid for an extra day. But because we had a hotel with an airport shuttle, we actually returned the car Sunday morning, got to hang out at the hotel, by the pool, and then took the shuttle. So make sure that if, if you get the hotel with the airport shuttle that you don't pay for the extra car day, you do not need it. That just seems like too much work uh, for me. I'll just pay you the extra day and stay at the hotel. But that is uh, that's a solid tip, as always, Pete. Well, we only had two games to close out the regular season and two very important games as well. We'll start with the early game. It was the Warriors. Win and you're in against the Houston Sabercats. And I think the players at Utah must uh, not like poor Alf Daniels too much. Uh, they stressed him out yet again as they left it to right at the end to get the win and book their spot in the playoffs this weekend against Glendale. But the Warriors, Pete, they're my danger side. What did you think of this game against the Sabercats? Yeah, I mean, I actually rewatched the game today because I wanted to go back and, and have a look and, and do a little bit more analysis. And it was it was an interesting game. It, it, it wasn't a great game of the highest quality. There were lots of turnovers. And part of that, I think it was just the physicality of, of the play. And it wasn't just on the Utah side. I thought Houston really came to play in a game that they didn't have to. And they really put their bodies on the line. And you could see that they were playing um, for, you know, for some real pride. Really surprising some things if you look at the numbers for this game. So um, Houston missed 21 tackles and made 59. I mean, that's a below 80% tackle rate. That's really, really low. And both teams really struggled in their lineouts. Um, lineouts were a challenge. Uh, in fact, you know, the great try that uh, Utah scored, um, really to put it away, came from one of the few clean lineouts that either team won. Um, and they were able to... Um, to move it out. And, and, and I think that Utah have survived without um, Kurt Morath and without Paul CK, And I think that's what they needed to do. Yeah, they are a team that has uh, limped into the finals, you can say, but they welcome back Morath and CK this weekend. And they'll need both of them if they run into the Raptors. Now, 
Glendale, the glamour boys of Major League Rugby, undefeated. And then they weren't as they got their first taste of defeat on the road against San Diego, who importantly got a win to lock up that third seed and avoid Glendale in the playoffs. You called this game down there in San Diego. How did you see things down there? So really interesting. I think one of the, you know, if if there are some people that that look from the outside of the US and look at Major League Rugby and watch some of the games, what they would say is it's a little bit like Super Rugby. You know, there's too much offense. There's not enough defense. But both of these teams in the first half really, really stepped up their defensive play. And, um, you know, it was just really phenomenal. It was great line speed. Uh, there was great physicality in the contact. There was a great context contest and of course that led to a large number of errors right so when you get that kind of line speed that's um you're going to get that i i think you know san diego turned it around um you know really by um using some of their set police um launches so they got um a great try by um ryan Mattias, who um you know nice little trick play with two lines of attack as the ball came across the field um, you know, something that they've obviously practiced. He got the outside shoulder on Harley Davidson and finished it. And then San Diego's lineout continues to be a huge area of strength. For, for Glendale, I think there's two things that have always um, hurt them or consistently hurt them throughout the season. Um, one is penalties, and they were actually very good in this game. They only gave away nine penalties. San Diego gave, San Diego gave away eight. But the second is handling errors, and they had 14 handling errors in the game. Um, Too many for a team, the quality of Glendale. I think, you know, we can probably excuse that with, you know, new nines and tens. Um, I don't think Dave Williams would excuse it with that. So handling errors and penalties are the things to watch for as, um, as Glendale go into the playoffs. And of course that, this means that San Diego doesn't play Glendale at Glendale. Um, They get the Seawolves. They do get Seattle who had the buy on the weekend, but well, San Diego, For mine, Pete, they come into the playoffs as the hottest team. They're on a three-game win streak, which is a huge turnaround from the last time we had them on CBS, which was against Austin on May 25th down there. They were shellacked 31 points to five. They have made a massive turnaround since then. And it's funny that it came with the absence of their Eagles. I think Rob Hoadley has got the troops together, and it's really galvanized them, Pete, having these big players out. And instead, Sometimes you see this with teams that have a lot of stars in them. The the secondary players, you know, the the role players, kind of look at those stars to do the work. When the when the pressure's on, they look to the Cam Dolans, they look to the Mikey Teo who's out with the injury to kind of get them over the line. And when they're gone, everyone picks up their game, and that's what we've seen with San Diego as they uh, they bustle their way into the playoffs as the third seed. And like you said, they'll face Seattle, which will be a tough game. But the big performance from the weekend came from the star winger for the Utah Warriors, and that was the flying Tanata Lauti, whose footwork has caused many headaches for teams throughout the season, and he'll look to continue that form into the playoffs. And Pete, you had a chance to talk with him uh, this week. So Tanata, thank you so much for joining us. I know it's a big week for you as you prepare for the playoffs. And we talk to you not only as the player of the week, but the end of season leading try scorer with eight tries in eight games. 
What a first season for you. What were some of the highlights for you of the Major League Rugby season? Some of the things that will live with you 10 years from now, you'll tell your grandkids about. Well, number one, I was on the first Warriors team here in Utah. So you you're know, a pioneer, uh, right? You're I'm a pioneer. A pioneer. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. Know? And um, hopefully set a good legacy uh, for the team, for the name, you know, my name, family name. And um, yeah, I mean, that's one of the greatest things to, uh, to be at the, the start of this great, you know, legacy and to just build from there. And I think five years from now, it's going to be somewhere. I don't even think we can imagine, you know, where it's going to be. I think it's going to be huge. And to be, to say, Hey, I was there. I start, you know, I was there from the beginning. I think that's something great. That, and that's so that's pretty cool. exciting. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Now you obviously love scoring tries, like the joy that you have. Oh, I love when it. When you yeah. score, <laughs> it's like, so, so in one of your, you know, one of your tries last week, you did a little finger thing in the air. Do you think like, did that have any meaning? Do your celebrations <laughs> have meaning? Do you practice them during the week? Um, I do practice, you know, scoring tries. Every time we just run plays for fun, I run and I put the ball down, you know. But do you uh, practice just, the celebration? No, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what this was. I think it's like, hey, let's go again, you know. I think I got another one in me. Um, yeah, no, don't really practice any celebration. Just, just score and get back and play again. So, you know, the um, Warriors team is known for its physical play, has some very, very large players on the team. Yeah. You are not one of those. What's it like to do tackling practice when you look around and see all these guys more than 250 pounds? <laughs> you know, honestly, I say, you know what? I'm a wing. I do like three track tackles of practice, so I'll just stay out of this drill. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I certainly... I, but sometimes I can't get out of it. So, I mean, I get in there. I can hang pretty good, though. Yeah, yeah. You do a good job. <laughs> you, you're pretty good. You, you, you do a, a good job with, the, with, your, with your physicality. So tell us a little bit about what this season has been like with the Warriors. You know, you've got Alf Daniels, who um, yes. actually coached at Highland, which is your alma mater in, in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, brings, um, even though he's from New Zealand, brings a lot of knowledge of the U.S. game. Um, what's the season been like in terms of team development when you guys first got together and where you are now? You know, the, the very beginning was a little rusty. It was a little rough. Um, most of the players, I played against them. And we play in a Polynesian league here in Salt Lake City. And most of our games end up in fights sometimes. So, um, you know how it gets really competitive. And right. And very physical. Very physical. And um, a lot of the times ends up in fights. So I've been threatened by a lot of the guys on the team. <laughs> <laughs> you know. And, uh, but uh, it didn't, didn't take really long, you know, very long for us to, to get on the same page because now we're on the same team. We're one purpose. And it's exciting to see because everyone on the team is, are great players. They're good. They're big. They're physical. They know the game. And it's just great to be surrounded by, by a group of guys who can play together and, you know, make things happen. Uh, it's taken a little bit for us to put things together. I think we're, we still haven't hit full stride yet. 
as a team. I think we still have a lot left to show. And um, I think we're going to be able to bring it out this uh, this next game. So I'm excited to see what we really can bring it together as a team. So, so you know, your last three games have been really important games for you. You, you didn't have, you know, a lot of time together at the start. You, yeah. um, and, and so, you know, you really had to pull it out the last three games, including the game against Houston, without two of your big leaders, right? So um, uh, Kurt Morath was away with Tonga and Paul Asike were was away with the U.S. Um, what did you do as a team to be able to continue to develop, even though, you know, you, you were bringing in players that haven't even played for a few years, right? So yeah. like Johnny he hasn't even played rugby for a couple of years, although he did pretty well for someone who was pretty rusty. Yeah, he did really good. Yeah. Was it, was it, yeah. was it like, was there a, a, a collective where you guys got together and said, hey, everyone needs to take a little bit more? Was it not said and just implied? Like, how did you guys get over that and continue to improve even without two of your best players? Um, hmm. You know, honestly, nothing really changed as far as our, our practices and our training and our focus went. Um, we had the guys. We have, we have great depth, and we just kind of brought the guys up, plugged them in. You know, Iniki did amazing. Um, Johnny Linehan stepped up, you know, came in and uh, did a great job as a 10, you know, as a captain on the field. And so um, – for us to not have them, yeah, definitely we missed out on, you know, Paul's power running, just sucking <laughs> in defenders. Um, and But we were able to, you know, our practices were focused on us, what we needed to do as a team. And Coach Alf Daniels did a great job in just bringing the team together and keeping our minds focused on what we need to do and what we have, not focused on what we don't have, but you know, the things that we do have and that we can work with together as a, as a team. And we brought it together. So, yeah. great. So let's, let's talk a little bit about your background. You were born in Tonga. Tell us a little bit yeah. about what it, what it was like to come to the U.S., how old you were, what that transition was, and when you started playing rugby. So my family, so I come from a family of 13 siblings, so all 15 of us moved from Bavao Tonga when I was eight years old. And wow. So, and, and what number What number are you in, 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 the, in, in the 13? I'm, I'm number nine of 13. You're number nine of 13. Yeah. Yeah. So I got four younger than me. So moving from the from the islands, coming here, it was just, it was all fun for us. You know, I was eight years old, nothing but fun for me. Um. Everything was new. I mean, we had soda, candy, you know, things that we never had before. And right. it just, man, it was amazing. So, now, did you play any <laughs> rugby in Tonga before you came, or did you pick up rugby in the US? So, um, I was always the smaller guy. So, I never played. <laughs> <laughs> By the I way, mean, you still are the you... smaller guy. You still are the smaller guy, right? I am, um, yeah. But I never played till I was about, I think it was a 16 years old, uh, sophomore year in high school. And so I started playing for Highland Rugby um, here in Salt Lake. But that was the first time I ever played, played rugby. And from the very get-go, man, I fell in love with the game, the flow of it, the intensity, the physicality, everything was, you know, just got me hooked. And, um, and, 
played it ever since. And so just never looked back. And, and, and you went on to the University of Utah and you yeah. were a collegiate All-American um, in uh, um, sevens and fifteens. So as maybe one of the more undersized members of your team, <laughs> you, do you see yourself as a sevens player playing fifteens? Do you see yourself as a fifteens player that can play sevens? Which is the game that you prefer and why? Um. Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I never really played sevens um, until my last few years at the University of Utah. That's when I was introduced to it. So I would say I'm a 15 players playing sevens. And, uh, I mean, I love sevens. It's fast. I have a lot of space to to run, and that's what right. I like to do. Right. Um, but also in 15s, I, it's a little bit tighter, so – I mean, I love that as well as a challenge to find a gap and hit a gap. And, you know, it seems like I've been finding gaps here and there every game. So, Yes, you have. <laughs> yes, you have. Well, one, I mean, I think one of your great tries was coming off the wing and receiving the inside pass and just bursting through that hole. I think that was a great exo- example of, of, of finding a gap right there. Um, so are you planning on playing any sevens this summer? Does the Utah team plan on putting together a sevens team or are you going to take a break? Um, I don't know if the Utah team is planning to do sevens. I haven't really heard anything. Um, am I playing sevens this year, this summer? I might be. Um, I don't know. Uh, right now, just kind of focus on, you know, yeah, this, this weekend. weekend. Yeah, absolutely. This weekend, one step at a time. And then hoping to go on next week as well. All right. So before we talk about this weekend, let's talk. So you have um, your own construction company. Is that a family business? Because it's Loudy Construction, right? Yeah. So me and my brother, uh, my older brother, started uh, the company about two and a half years ago. And uh, yeah, we just, that's what we do. Well, give us give us your give us your thirty seconds elevator pitch, right? Here you have a chance to like market. Like I'm sure there'll be some Utah Warrior fans listening to this when it comes out. So tell yeah. us what you do and why people should hire you. Well, so we are a construction company. Our main focus uh, currently right now is um, flat work, so concrete flat work, and we do mainly residential, a little bit commercial here and there, but. Um, you know, we're out there to give, uh, you know, honest price to our customers and do honest work, good work, and take care of, you know, our customers and uh, someone that they can look to for, because in the market can be very expensive. And, you know, sometimes you want to find a good person that you can trust, you know. So that's what we, we're here to do. Well, you know, so, considering how quick you are on the pitch, maybe part of yours should be we're also very quick at the work that we do. That would that would meet what you do on the pitch. So, um, well, there's a, there's a little shout out to any of the uh, um, Salt Lake City listeners who would like to uh, get some um, work done. Are you are you in your office right now? Yeah, so I'm construction. Just, uh, okay. Yeah, just sitting in the office right now. <laughs> Trying to catch up from work when you're not doing rugby. So let's yeah. uh, let's let's finish up and uh, talk um, a little bit about this weekend. Um, okay. What you guys think you need to do? You're coming up against Glendale. They're not unbeaten, 
right? So they fell to the San Diego Legion last weekend. Um, tell yeah. us what, what, what Utah needs to do to be able to beat Glendale on their home turf. Um, for us, I think it's, we just need to limit the mistakes. Um, most of the games we've lost, it's nothing really the other team has done. It's just little mistakes that we've made here and there. And, you know, take away the 50-50 passes, the knock-ons, and mainly just play together as a team. I think that's the main thing that we need to do this week because talent, you know, the talent that we have on the team with all the guys, if we can put that together as one and work with that, I don't think there's anything that can stop us. Um, yeah, really, I that's what we need to do is just need to come together as one and play the game as one, not as individuals. Well, I know the listeners can't see this, but as you um, said that tonight, you had this big smile on your face. You're obviously very much looking forward to this weekend, showing what the Utah <laughs> Warriors can do, as you said. There's more in the tank to give. So thank you so much for giving us some time today, and good luck this weekend. Hey, no problem. Thank you for your time. Appreciate it. And there is the flying winger for the Utah Warriors. They'll need a big performance from him Saturday night as they take on the number one seed, Glendale Raptors. And the other news, with the Eagles players coming back, that means their summer series is over, Pete. They finish at a very impressive 8-0 and thus far for this year. And it's pretty easy to say this is probably the most successful Eagles team we have ever seen. Well, I think it's definitely the most successful Eagles team we've, we've ever seen. Um, they're on an eight-game winning streak. And, you know, they didn't play their best against Canada. Um, Canada up in Halifax is always going to be tough. There were 6,000 people in the stands. They were, you know, thoroughly supporting it. But you could see the quality came through in the end. And I think, you know, for Major League Rugby, I, I thought Cam um, Dolan's three tries were really interesting because there were three very different tries. There was one try when he supported A.J. McGinty's chip and um, just really great game sense. You know, when you're a forward and and the backs are kicking the ball back and forward, you're always trying to, trying to find your, you know, a way to get back into the game. And he did that, found himself on A.J.'s shoulder, finished that off. The, um, I think it was the second try was power, power to take it over the line from a couple of meters out. And then the third try was wing support where – um, Legion teammate Nate um, Osberger made the break and Cam Dolan was out there on the wing part of the uh, um, the structure that the Eagles have and he was able to finish it so he's he's going to come back with some confidence I think all the Eagles will come back with some confidence and how they integrate into the playoff teams with only a week's practice is going to be really interesting I mean one of the challenges we have Dan is that we're um, uh, we're Having we're recording this on Tuesday, so we we don't yet see the lineups of the teams, and that'll be uh, something that'll come out. I think probably in the next twenty four or forty eight hours, and it'll be very interesting to see. Like you said, with Legion playing so well, I mean you've only got two players coming back, but um, and you know you also you know you lost Connor Kearns. Um, he went out to a tough injury. Harley Davidson went out to a tough injury. They're probably both gone. So. You know, you'd look at Audsley coming back. You would look at um, Nate Osberger coming back. And you would look at Cam Dolan coming back. Yeah, the loss of Connor Kearns, if he does succumb, if he can't pass the concussion test, 
I think that will be a bigger one than most people realize. He's been outstanding for them at the back, just a very calming influence, a very different player to Dylan Audsley. I think you might see Audsley uh, partner up in the centers with Ryan Mattias, who is absolutely on fire. But touching back on the Eagles, Pete, my thoughts on that last game. I know you talked about Cam Dolan, and he deserves every rap that you give him. He's had an outstanding year. But for me, AJ McGinty, hands down, Best 10 USA has ever had. And that's coming from a former 10 as well. He's got me beat by many, many, many lengths. But his his ability to read the play, to control the play, we've never seen it before from a fly half in a USA Eagles jersey. He will go down as the best 10 that's ever played for the Eagles and potentially one of the best ever to play for the Eagles. I'm uh, I'm a big AJ McGinty fan. He just keeps on keeping on. Absolutely, Dan. And let's let's look at his development pathway, right? So this isn't the traditional sort of um, finding someone who isn't quite good enough to play for a national team and, you know, telling him to come and spend a couple of weeks in the US every year. This is a guy that, that wasn't making it in Ireland, that came over to Life University. I think he then went up to New York. Like he, he you know, a little bit like Chris Wilds, right? Coming over to the US is what really helped them develop um, really help um, you know their uh, their skills to mature when it happens late in late in life, right? So if you're not captured in the Irish U20s, you're probably not going to play for Ireland. And so AJ McGinty came over here, reset himself as a player, went back, became a sort of you know got a bit of a contract with Connacht, ended up being the starting player for Connacht, and then you know off the sale. And Connacht were very sad to see him go. So. You're absolutely right. I think he may go down if he stays healthy as one of the greats the U.S. has um, has ever had. And we're just blessed to have him right now. He just makes everyone around him look good. And, you know, when you've got a Paula CK standing outside, having a good 10 really is, is, is uh, you know, a benefit. And it's just going to makes it hard to defend. And I just want to give Sean Davies, I thought, had a really great summer. I think he's really developed his play. I'm a former scrum half. I'm very critical of scrum halves. Um, as you will hear probably a little bit later on in this podcast. But I think Jordan Davies has really developed his play. His service is absolutely top-notch. And it was great to see him um, working so well with AJ during the series this summer. Yeah, that's uh, it certainly was. And just for clarification, AJ was at Nyack first before going down to life. I don't think Dan Payne would have ever let AJ McGinty walk out to go to Nyack back in the day. But here's the crazy thing, Pete. When he comes over, he's playing for Nyack. Being a Nyack guy myself, Toby Lestrange was the current Eagles 10. He was in the mix. But enough on the Eagles, Pete, as we focus on Major League Rugby. The season is over for three teams, and we're going to go a little deeper in our analysis and appraisal of the three teams that missed the playoffs, starting with the bottom of the ladder, the Houston Sabercats, who had a very, very tough year. And they did, and they were the almost team of um, the uh, Major League Rugby season. You know, if we go through, so it didn't start well, right? They lost to NOLA. That was a big shock. Um, losing losing to NOLA, um, 35-26. Then they beat Austin. And then, you know, you listen to this. They lose to San Diego, 35-32. Um, they lose to NOLA, 24-20. They lose to Houston, 36-30. None of those games are they out of it. And I think that they had some real struggles. They had 
a great attacking team. They, they scored points. They were um, still one of the top point scorers um, in the league, but, you know, they were in the top half of that. And I think they had some flaws. Their scrum was strong, but their line-out was a problem all year, and their defense was a problem. And so while they scored a lot of points, they couldn't stop other teams from scoring. Now, if we look comparatively to other sports, it's hard because this is the first season for Major League Rugby. But if you look at other sports, a season like that, you're a general manager, you're going to bring the coaching staff in, you're going to look at the roster a lot. You're probably going to expect a lot of wholesale changes. Do you think the Sabercats, they're going to make a change? Or you think that current roster, the staff there, they'll get another season to try to make amends? Um, you know, I think this is going to be really interesting. I, I, It's been so competitive within Major League Rugby. I, I'm not a fan of making changes so quickly. And I think there's a team that played that, you know, was that far away from the fourth spot. Even the Sabercats, even though they only had, had 11 points, as we went through their season, we saw, man, they were, they were within a try of four of their losses. I think that in those situations, what you really want to look at on the staff side and on the player side is you really want to look at the processes that you go through. You want to say, as you know, the owner of this team, do I see improvement? Do I believe in what these guys are trying to achieve? And then if you do, I think that you keep that staff. Player-wise, you know, I think they need some help in the line-out. Um, I think that means they also need some help at hooker. They have to make a decision about whether that can be developed within or brought from the outside. But I think they've got a good team. I mean, I, you know, they have a good, they have a great 10 in Sam Windsor. They've got some great outside backs. I've, you know, Connor Murphy has been um, someone that I've, you know, got after a little bit because I don't think, I think he's a tough player. I mean, I think he's a tough player. I think he's a smart player. But I don't think his service is good enough to release the outside backs that Houston had. No, I agree. I think they'll be on the market looking for nine. Just you can get quicker ball. Just with those outside backs with the Sabercats, you know, the Fijians in Vithi and Kalanasau, Esdale emerging on the wing as well. I think uh, Joey Yosefo has a bigger role with his second year back in rugby. And, uh, you know, I, I, and you already talked about Sam Windsor, what a player he is. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason. We'll keep a close eye on that. Moving on to Nola Gold, though, to me, they are the unlucky team because at times they showed glimpses of a great roster, but injuries, misfortune, bad luck, whatever you want to call it, just seemed to keep striking Nola Gold, Nate Osborne and his side at the wrong time. Yeah, I mean, I think that they started well, and I think one of the things that's true about all of the ma- almost all of the major league rugby teams, except perhaps Brundell, um, is that their their depth of their roster was an unknown. Um, they had players that, that these players were performed well in um, other areas and, and in you know in club rugby or maybe overseas, but it wasn't clear outside of the top 17, 18 who was going to be really good. And I think that the um, uh, Fanola, I think. You know, that was clear. I think the loss of um, J.P. Eloff really threw them. And it didn't just throw them, throw them on attack because I think Nate Osborne was then trying to find ways to be able to get the ball in, um, uh, 
you know, their best players' hands more often. You could, you know, moving Taylor Howden around, it really hurt them on defense in the backs. And that was a problem that they just weren't able to solve. But they found some good players. I mean, Matt Houston was just, you know, one of the finds of the season coming from Charlotte playing D2 rugby and really, really became a stud for NOLA. Um, I think they have, uh, you know, I think, um, I don't know how long Hubert Bidens is going to be able to um, hang on. So I think that they're probably going to have to look at beefing up a little bit um, in the uh, in, in the forwards. But, you know, they've, they've got a squad that, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty good that I, I think can play. Um, you know, I think Holden Younger is a developing young player that can do some good stuff. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, it's really just a lot about their injuries and depth for Nola. I love the structure that they play on attack. And you could, you know, they had these moments in games where in 10 minutes they would score three tries, um, but then they would lose because they just weren't able to sustain that. And I think that um, that'll come with consistency. Yeah, I love your point on the front row. If you're a, a prop who can scrummage and get around the field, you are worth your weight and gold in Major League Rugby as we saw the importance of the set piece this season. So if you're out there and you uh, you want to have a crack, now would be the time. The iron's never been hotter for these sides well, Nola Gold, they will welcome back uh, a host of players. Uh, Jobo went out in the preseason with an Achilles injury. Obviously, Sebastian Kahn will come back. I think they're going to be in the mix next year. Another side that was in the mix and has probably the most to be disappointed about missing the finals would be the Austin Elite. They had well, their destiny in their hands for the final two or three weeks of the season and weren't able to close it out, firstly at home, then on the road. Not too much changing in Austin, I would imagine, Pete. Maybe some tweaking. Obviously, the loss of Pedro Vunnenberg to retirement into coaching will be a transition. What were your thoughts on the elite season? So I actually think that um, it's going to be tough for Austin to replace um, Pedro Vunnenberg. I, I think he was um, both him and uh, Roland um, Siniola, I think, were key to their three-game winning streak. Um, those were the three games um, that they had both of those players on the field. Um, and I, I think when they lost one of them, so in the last game um, against San Diego, they didn't have Roland and um, that hurt them. And so, again, it comes a little bit to depth. I think that um, Austin need to have um, a, a little look at their nines and tens, although they have um, their new nine um, Michael uh, Romero, who was really lively in the San Diego game for his first game, looks like a really co- a real quality player, but wasn't in sync with the rest of the team because he was so new. I think he's going to be a, a, a one to watch for next year. But I think they have, you know, Ben Mitchell was a great player this year. Um, I thought that, you know, they have Lou Stanford. I don't know if he's going to be coming back. Um, and, you know, Zinzan Ilan Patek, I thought, also had a great season. So they have some, they have some good players. Their, their test was, their, their depth was tested um, and they had some players step up. And so, you know, not huge changes there, but I think they, they're going to need to bring some experience into that forward pack to replace Pedri. Yeah, well, obviously the signing of the young French scrum half to replace Marcus Walsh, who will return to Rugby New York next season. Uh, so that will be a transition for him. And then you've got that French connection, haven't you, at 9 and 10, they're able to uh, communicate a little better there. There's no uh, calls lost in translation. Maybe for the outside backs, they're going to have to get the uh, Rosetta Stone France edition. 
and brush up on a little bit. Uh, we seem to have some problems with Dan and his internet. I think he lives up in the mountain and that can be a bit of a challenge. So, um, however, it gives me a chance to sort of do what I um, really want to do anyway, which is sort of talk the most to people that know. And so what we'll do is we'll talk a little bit about, um, we, we have this weekend coming up, the weekend podcast. And so we have um, live on Friday night uh, between um, seven and eight mountain time, we will be doing a live podcast from Xfinity Field. So that's where the Glendale um, Raptors play. And so it will be where the playoffs are going to be happening this weekend. And so we have um, some general managers, some owners, um, some players, and we will be interviewing them, getting some insight. So uh, look for the um, Twitter accounts. You can follow on my Twitter account, PJRugby9, um, or you can follow on the Major League Rugby Twitter account, which is um, at USMLR, and they will, uh, will, will let you know how to get hold of those podcasts and watch them live or watch them on record. I think that's also uh, going to be a great thing. Uh, was it Sam Windsor from Houston is coming up, Pete? So you'll get to talk to him on Friday night. That's great. That's Aaron Castro behind the virtual glass here helping us out, who's our producer. Um, Aaron, who do we have on Friday night? Uh, Friday night, uh, we've got uh, Mark Bullock and Dave Williams from Glendale. Uh, and we've got from the San Diego Legion, Matt Hawkins and Rob Hoadley. Well, as we've lost Dan because he lives up in the mountain, Aaron, let's just um, go through a, uh, a, you know, we can start doing the preview and hopefully he'll be able to join us again. Yeah, no problem. Um, so this weekend we have two sets of playoffs. We have the Glendale Raptors, the number one seed who are playing the Utah Warriors. And we have the... Seattle Seawolves playing the San Diego Legion. And what are the game times of those, Aaron? Was it uh, 5 and 7.30? And do we, have, do we have ourselves – oh, is that – so is it 5 and 7.30 Pacific time? Yes. So okay. that should be, uh, you know, a great time for uh, everyone across the country. And um, which game is, is at which time? Uh, five o'clock is Seattle versus uh, Utah, and then we'll get no. Is it Seattle versus San Diego? I'm sorry. There we go. No and problem. And then uh, we'll have Glendale versus uh, the Utah Warriors. So it is a two versus three and a one versus four. And these games will be on CBS Sports. Uh, You'll listen to um, myself and Brian Hightower's analyst. We're going to have a booth of three. So let's talk about the Seattle Seawolves and the Dem. So sorry, the San Diego Legion. I think that this is going to be a really interesting game. I think the Seawolves. It'll be a tough one for them. I think the Legion are on the up. I think the Seawolves. Um, their Seawall, their defense might have been found out by Glendale a couple of weeks ago. 
when they found the pass back inside to be really useful against it. Although they come in with a really, really strong scrum. So if we remember the opening game of the season with San Diego versus Seattle, Seattle went had three penalty tries um, from the scrum. Unbelievable. Uh, and um, Tui Halamaka, the uh, loose head prop for San Diego, really struggled in that game. And one of the big things, big learnings for me in the Glendale game last week with San Diego was how much better he has become at the scrum. But he will be tested. He will be tested against the Seawolves. The Seawolves will have Phil Mack back. Yep. They'll have um, Ray Barkwell back. And uh, it'll be, uh, they'll hopefully have um, Shalom Soniola back. So hopefully both teams will be healthy. And I think that'll be a really, really great matchup. It'll be the Seattle defense and the Seattle scrum against the San Diego offense and the San Diego lineout. I definitely think that's a, a matchup to watch because we've seen so much growth from the, the San Diego scrum. But uh, he hasn't had to face off against Tim Metcher, who played for the Melbourne Rebels a bit, a little bit ago, uh, in a while. But we've seen his growth. I think Sione Tuyalamaka will be. It, if he doesn't win the battle this time, I think he's going to be a great loose head over the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we've seen a number of these uh, former college defensive ends um, in come into prop and, and play well, but it's learning, you know, the power and the pace they have. I mean, I think it was Tucci, right, from uh, the Utah Warriors that came on and scored that 80-meter, um, not 80, but 50-meter try uh, against, um, Houston, against Houston last week that really showed the power, but it's still, the work is still done in the scrum for those guys. And if they can't scrum, it, it's, it's, it's um, a long it's it's a long hard road to make up for that around the field. Yeah, so, I, it's it's interesting the way we've seen um, some players get thrown uh, way back into you know up front because Sione Tuialamaka was playing number eight, and before then Alex Tucci had gone off to Ireland to play six. Right. So you know, but as a coach, if you can find someone that can scrum well enough but gives you the dynamic play of the back row. That's what you want, especially in the modern game. But I think that with in the Major League Rugby inaugural season, there are more scrums than maybe there are in other pro comps around the world. And so I think that having a, an effective scrum is, is, is really critical. So, you know, but I, you know, like I said, I think this, the Legion have the edge in the line out, especially with Cam Nolan coming back. Um, and so... You know, it'll be a great matchup. I am going with San Diego in that one. I, I have concerns with how, you know, the Seawolves reacted against the Glendale Raptors two weeks ago at altitude. They didn't, you know, they played well in the first half. They fell off in the second half. Um, I think that once you come into the playoffs, not having a head coach being player coached, I think is, is going to be tough. I think that, you know, that tough, tough decisions have to be made. And, uh, you know, so I'm going to go with the, with the Legion and I'm going to go with the Legion by seven. I think that's a, a very good pick. Uh, I think I went with the Legion by three on this week. Uh, they're just the hot team. I think the defenses are actually going to keep this within, you know, it's going to be a tight, tight frame. I think uh, we are going to, I'm going to go, if I have to pick a scoreline about 10 to 13, uh, one of the things that Seattle has had issue with is their place kicking. Uh, 
Will Holder has, you know, he can get in rhythm or he can get out of rhythm very fast where we've seen San Diego, whether it's Tag Leader or Ben Sima, they're, they're pretty much money every time. Let's get on to the second game, um, the Raptors versus the Warriors. I mean, I think the Warriors are an interesting team. I certainly think they're a, um, a difficult challenge um, for the Raptors, but I think this is a game where the Raptors' structure and um, familiarity is going to be a little bit too much for the Utah's ability to play in the open field. Um, I think uh, Don Paddy is an um, amazing runner, and they have amazing runners all over the place. The concern I have about the the, uh, Utah Warriors is that they create a lot of line breaks. They're they're one of the best in the league in creating line breaks, and they're so powerful that getting over the line from one meter is something that they can do, but they don't convert their line breaks easily. So you'll see that they'll make the line break, and then they take the contact, and so they're not very efficient in converting those line breaks into tries. It means they have to work a lot harder. And their set pieces are concerned. Their lineouts against Houston were poor. Their scrums struggled. I think they will struggle in their lineouts and their scrums. They'll be feeding off scraps um, in in that game. And I think the Raptors will just be too polished at home. And I think this is going to be the Raptors by twelve. Hard to argue with that, Pete. We we're going to see six Eagles come back. I don't think Quill will be fit, but you'll have five Eagles that just slot it right into the starting lineup for for Glendale. And we all know that uh, Dave Williams is the the ever overbearing and sometimes uh, taskmaster. So I don't think this week has been fun for them, and they're training at an intensity that is much different uh, than some of the teams across the league. Uh, will McGee his uh, his kicking ability is going to bring a game changer and uh, putting another kicker back at fullback is going to be a big thing for them. Well, yeah. And, and, you know, Kurt Morath comes back. Um, I, I think he's the best fly half in major league rugby. I just don't think he's going to get enough ball from the set piece to be able to do as much. That means Paul, the CK is not going to get as much ball. Um, so they're going to have to be really, really efficient. They're going to have about 40, um, 40% of the possession I expect in this game. I think you're right. I think the kicking game is going to be really interesting, although um, the Warriors have a very dangerous counterattack. So it's going to be really interesting. I mean, you know, I say it's going to be Glendale by 12, but I, I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means. So with that, Aaron, thank you for stepping in for Dan Power. Dan dropped off because he lives up in the mountains, but he will be back with us on Friday. 7 p.m. Mountain Time. You can follow us on on Facebook Live. And this was Pete Steinberg, Dan Power, and Aaron Castro on Major League Rugby kickoff. Please put a rating in Google Play or iTunes. Give us five stars. It would be great to hear what you guys think of the podcast. And we'll look forward to talking to everyone on Friday.